Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another episode. I'm Aaron Osborne, your host. This episode, my guest uh, is Andy from the Andy Social podcast and Lord, the band, not Jesus, <laughs> maybe he is our savior. Who knows? He certainly saved me from boredom when doing this podcast with me. Oh, God, this is a terrible intro. Um, <clears throat> Andy is a very prolific and proficient podcaster. Um, so it was awesome to have him on and have a chat with him about a record that he really likes that, as we talk about, sort of threw me a little bit. Um, not something that I thought he would pick, but a really cool record by a band called 1927, an older Australian band. Um, and they're specifically the record Ish. Um, if you don't know this band, you will, um, because you definitely have heard the songs before. There are bi- relatively big, you know, Australian rock songs on it. If I Could is the biggest hit. And if you go and listen to that record, I can guarantee there'll be five other songs that you've heard in Coles or on the radio before. <laughs> um, it was really cool to talk to Andy about a record that wasn't, uh, you know, a metal record, being that that's the scene that he comes from. And obviously... I come from as well. Um, but yeah, it was another interesting chat about a record that kind of was not what I was expecting the person to pick. And basically so far, almost everyone has done that, um, which is great. Um, so enough of me ranting. Please enjoy episode 87 of the Bluvius Maximus podcast with Andy from Andy Social talking about 1927s-ish. Fucking brutal. <laughs> Andy, thank you for doing my podcast with me. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. Um, all right. So, when we talked very briefly about this the other day, you mentioned uh, throwing me a curveball. And I, I can safely say that this is not a record that I was going to expect to be uh, selected by you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... So the band is 1927. I obviously I was mm. obviously aware of this band because there's three or four like very huge pop hits on Australian like pop singles on this record. Um how how do you pronounce the title of this record? I I just say ish. Ish, okay. But but I never I n- like this is probably the second time ever in my life that I've actually verbalized it. So it's one of those things where I sort of look at it and go, mm-hmm, yep, yeah. that album, great album, fantastic. But uh, yeah, when uh, when I was getting ready to do this podcast, I was like saying it out loud. And I thought, oh, that sounds really weird. Yeah. So uh, I assume it's ish. Yeah. Well, it's like it's like um, and justice for all. Like that. And actually, that was the first one I did on this. And I was I didn't say it on the podcast, but I was thinking I was like. I wonder if I've ever called that record like dot, dot, dot and justice for all in my life or if I've, which obviously I haven't. <laughs> well, yeah, we always refer to it as justice. And, and I guess with the dots, it's, it's kind of insinuating a bit of a pause, mm. like an afterthought or something like that. And so it's, yeah, it's not something you can just, uh, just uh, sort of say or roll off your tongue really, really easily. It's, it's quite awkward. Yeah, it is. Um, all right. So why, why did you pick this record? 
I think I mentioned in the in the message to you. I've, I've, I mean, this is one of the things that I have an issue with just in my life in general. I overthink everything. So yep. when you when I when I first started listening to uh, your podcast since you re- relaunched it and you've got this new format, I started thinking, oh, that's that's a really cool idea. And I'm, I started thinking about albums that that I I've really enjoyed and and gotten into and got something out of it. And then when we had a chat and you threw it out to me to to come on, I just started obsessing over this. I'm just thinking like I'm, I'm going through, I go, what type of album should I present? Should I, should I go with something very obvious, like a real sort of old school heavy metal album? Should I go something, you know, left of field or whatever? And no matter what I thought of, this album just kept popping back in the front of my mind. And, and I felt really uneasy about it. Cause I was like, that's why I've said to you, I go, Oh man, I'm going to throw you a bit of a curveball here. I don't know if this is going to be like, Hey man, I've got, I've got backup plans here just in case. Yeah. Um, but this is, I mean, this album for me is like, it's it's hard to explain because really this is the first time I've ever verbalised it to anybody. So um, get ready, guys. There's going to be a lot of verbal <laughs> diarrhoea about to happen here. Strap but, in for this one. <laughs> yeah, strap in, folks. But um, I think when I moved to Sydney, um, whatever it was, 15-odd years ago from Brisbane, and I was um, sort of barely 20, and um, and I think you sort of had a similar sort of thing when yeah. you moved to Melbourne yourself. And you sort of you're living in share houses, and you're trying to find your feet, and you're just you're making new friends, and you've got some people you kind of know, and and especially for us, like we're in, in music circles, etc. And I just went through so many different things of just trying to work out where I fit into the into the world and to the grand scheme of things. And I just for whatever reason became really obsessed with like 80s Aussie rock, and I just started like and not like the cheesy sort of stuff, like well, it, mind you, sorry. I'll backtrack. <laughs> it's all pretty cheesy. Yeah. But I mean, probably not so much the the sort of more Bogan-esque sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And uh, and I think one thing that really appealed to me is that I just, I was, I grew up on Metallica and Slayer and all those stereotypical sort of just old school buffhead heavy metal bands. And then suddenly I started listening to, to bands like this and Southern Suns and um, Fonzie and and even even sort of going over to Ian Moss and Jimmy Barnes solo albums and things like that. And the thing that really sort of grabbed me was it's obviously catchy stuff and it's well written and it's got all the hooks and it's pop hits etc. But the lyrics are so simplistic, overly simplistic in concept, and they're so relatable. Like they're just it's blue collar everyday sort of events and topics and it's just instantly identifiable when you listen to it it's not some cryptic metaphors or talking about you know some sort of mythological sort of stories or creatures or yeah. you know conan or anything like that it's <laughs> like you know it's it's like it's love and loss and you know there's some anti-war stuff and just all these different things it's just it's and i just I, I was, it just blew me away and so i became obsessed i'm just listening to these albums over and over again and this album in particular, just I just could not let go of, and it almost got to a point where I was questioning whether I really like metal anymore because I just was so <laughs> I just couldn't stop listening to it, and, and yeah. of course I, I I gradually came back to metal and I was okay, but you know, it's um it's just it's one of the most simplistic albums when you listen to it, um and especially when you sort of I think the songwriting's quite smart the way they've done it, but um yeah. lyrically you you listen to it and you, and you listen to the words and you go it's pretty much what it is for the most part. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think like like right out the gate, it's it, like it, it has that very um, like it has that very 80s tone to the record, mm. like the the production and also like the instrumentation on the record. Like, I mean, I mean, like right out the gate, it's it, if it's not electric drums, it's, you know, 
they process them after they recorded them kind of thing, <laughs> yeah. you know, and but but and that very, you know, like the dreamy guitar tones and that real like really like padded synth over mm. like the whole song. And then the bass that's there is sort of just is like driving the music a little bit because everything else is kind of, you know, I, I think uh, when I I don't know why this comes into my head. Maybe it's because of my age or whatever it is. But whenever I hear music like this, even though I know it's like Australian, I know it's popular music of the time. I know it is rock music. Still, when I hear songs like this, that like this record start to me, it makes me think of soap operas. Like, yeah, yeah, for like, sure. It yeah. Makes, like that. <laughs> like I don't know if it's because of the synth and it's what it is, but it's like it's very. And then, like, if you watch their music videos, like the the music video for "If I Could" has so mm. much so much like vaseline over the lens like it is just <laughs> and so it fits really well into that um in, into that like soundscape where i guess that era mm. but i think i think the other thing too that's interesting about a band like this and i guess reading a little bit more into them and <clears throat> thinking about the the other music that was happening in australia at the time um like music like this uh, is is very of its era like it doesn't mm. It didn't really, it's, you know, it was a, a real snapshot, whereas, you know, a band like Led Zeppelin, like there's bands now that are still trying to sound like Led Zeppelin, where you don't really hear too much, at least, of bands trying to sound like 80s pop music anymore. And like every now and then little flares of it will come into like modern pop music and like nostalgia type throwbacks, like things like you know, Stranger Things becoming a TV show and it's mm. all 80s themed. But generally speaking, music like this is such a, like a time capsule. <laughs> like it's not, yeah. it's not really, it, it hasn't seemed to have grown itself out beyond it. Um, so, so. And I, th- I think, yeah, sorry, go. Oh, no, I was just going to say, so like listening to this, to me, like just putting this record on and sitting and listening to it, it really sounds like that, you know, like, Oh, okay. Like instantly, like transports you to this era of music. <laughs> like, it's it's one of those things where I had a I had a running joke with um, Mike Mills from Toe Hider for a few years there because we were obsessed over like a lot of these '80s records, um, and just because of basically what you just described, it's it's like this time capsule, and there's this almost this ambience around the music with the synths and the spacey guitars and just those hooks yeah. and everything, and and even sort of going into the pop culture at the time where you said soap operas and things like that, mm. everything was dramatised. Like, it was just, like, you can imagine, like, the the opening track on on this album, um, To Love Me, like, as soon as that kicks in, you're instantly thinking about some some guy or some woman, like, looking over their shoulder with this sort of <laughs> mist around and sort of looking longingly out into the distance while it's, like, twilight and something like that and, like, dark, empty streets or whatever. And it's just, it's so dramatic and so we had this running joke where we just said no one's doing this like no one's doing this music anymore like let's do it let's do it and so we just sort of had this thing yeah yeah we'll, we'll, we'll write some songs and it just never happened it's just one of those drunken <laughs> sort of you know things that you just never never quite get around to doing but I think that's what really appealed to me and growing up in in Brisbane but I, like a lot of my childhood was regional Queensland so I grew up in a lot of country towns and sort of moved around the place and mm-hmm. Whenever I watched TV, and especially Australian TV, um, a lot of the stuff was based in Sydney or Melbourne, and it was like these big cities and and big concrete jungles. And I guess around the time, sort of, and I'm a similar age to you, sort of like watching a lot of those old soap shows and just different dramas and things like that. 
it just it all sort of fell into place. So when I when I moved to Sydney, I'm I'm suddenly I mean Brisbane sort of getting there. It was building, but it was nothing like Sydney. And so here I am, like as you do in your early twenties, like going out and drinking and everything like that. And I'm finding myself stumbling home at two a.m. in the morning, and I've got my what would have been like either an MP3 player or, or the first sort of iPod, yeah, uh, playing. And and here I am, just just spaced out, drunk as, just stumbling home when it's drizzling rain, and I've got this this misty ambient Aussie rock <laughs> playing, and I'm I'm getting emotional and singing as I'm stumbling home, and it's just like, and just it all fit fit into place because suddenly like all these sort of visions that I had from this music was all sort of coming together. And I think that's probably just a number of elements that sort of all fell into place at that time, which just stamped this album into my life. And it was just, it was incredible. And even when I listened to like today, I thought, oh yeah, better get, better, better do some homework. I better go and refresh myself with this <laughs> album. And, and I'm sitting there and I just instantly just got thrown back to a lot of dramas that I had sort of when I was first coming to Sydney, all, all because of my own doing, you know, uh, just girls and and drunken nights and just making mistakes and then getting upset at myself and getting over overly emotional about things. And it just all came crashing back. I'm like, wow. Okay, yeah, that's wild. That, yeah, yeah, really, really cool. Well, it's, I mean, it's interesting as well. So, like, did you... Did you have much knowledge of this when you were a kid or did this did this come... Did music like this come about when, like you mentioned before, sort of looking into that stuff a little bit further or or was there like a hanging memory of stuff like this from your childhood? I think I think it was just watching different shows and just it was always, it was, it was just so foreign. It was just so foreign to me to see um, large cities and just the way that they were portrayed was just so foreign to me living. Like I lived in a, in a town called Cunnamulla, which was 10 hours west of, Brisbane for a couple of years and then yeah. then I lived in Emerald in central Queensland and then I lived in Rockhampton and then eventually got uh, found my way back to back to Brisbane sort of be- before uh, before high school just started so a lot of sort of those early years were just really like weird like you know country total totally rural sort of living and um and so yeah, watching anything or listening to anything, it was just such a such a, an alien world to me, and I just fantasized about it. But I guess it wasn't overly conscious. It wasn't really until I moved down here and things started falling into place. I'm like, oh wow, this is like, this is sort of like a bit of a throwback. It's it's yeah. sort of like yeah, and and then suddenly it sort of became a bit more conscious in front of mind, and yeah, and and even like talking about it now, it's sort of. It's weird to sort of connect the dots because you don't really think about it. You sort of just float through life and just go, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. And you don't really understand why. So, mm. um, yeah, yeah. So I guess it's more of a case of sort of in hindsight that you sort of look back and see how it, how sort of the links sort of all, all come together. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's music like this is really interesting for me too because, like, I think, uh, <clears throat> like, one of the, well, by the time this one goes, uh, goes on the internet, I will have done one with my friend Nathan and he, he picked a record by, that band, the Johnnies. And again, another like Australian rock band that the members of were, some of them were in the Hoodoo Gurus and then some of them went mm. on to be in Beast of Bourbon and things like that. And it was very interesting thinking about, talking about that record and thinking how much of a snapshot of that that kind of music existed here. And the other thing that, I mean, that is quite interesting about that. And, th- and this links in with it too, is that a lot of this music didn't really exist in the same way it did here elsewhere in the world, like mm. pub rock or Australian rock or whatever you want to call it is so specific to this country. Like 
the, the, the I mean, obviously other places in the world have their version of that era rock music, but the sound itself is so specific to Australia, I think. Like like Bruce Springsteen and Billy Idol and all, and all these different things around that time that were pop and they were rock and they were this and they were that. None of them have the same tones. None of them have the same sort of similar musicality. And I mean, I think a lot of that comes from obviously being in Australia and being very small and, um, you know, I suppose at the time as well in the 80s, really influencing themselves, you know, 70s and 80s influencing themselves before the rest of the world was sort of imprinted so much on Australian culture. Um, but this to me is one of the bands in the, within that scope that also sounds like a lot of the time too. Like they were clearly, at least from what, the way I hear it, they were clearly hearing, you know, a lot of that american pop music and then that that was this to me kind of sounds like the middle ground between american you know pop of the time and also like your pub rock and your you know your cold chisel and your jimmy barnes and ian moss type stuff there um and it's it's really interesting to me because like i guess when i put it on i was like I know the band, like I know the I know the name of the band, and I know the the single that I you know could see in the track list, but then I re- I didn't realize that um, uh, you know the second track that's when I think of you. I didn't realize like I didn't realize that was this band. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And when that song came on, I was like, oh fuck, that's this band as well. <laughs> like I I know way more of this band's songs. And it, but this is a weird band because it's. Like, you don't really realise until you look into it because, I mean, there's so many bands that have released, you know, like the one-hit wonders and you just can't connect the dots between the, the artist and the song itself. And, yeah. I mean, this this band, this album had five singles and it went something like five times platinum or something yeah. like that. But if you just talk to your average guy on the street and they, and they might know, like, If I Could or one of the songs, but they won't sort of understand that a lot of these songs all came off the one album, the one release. It's just, mm. it's this weird sort of thing. And, but I guess that's when, when you get sort of pigeonholed into, into potentially pop, then, you know, you, you fall into a different type of audience as well. And so, you know, you'll only have, I guess, you know, your ratio of, you know, pop fans versus probably more music purists and things like that's probably going to be very different to, to other bands that may not have had so much commercial success. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I think the other thing too, listening to something like this now uh, particularly I can hear on this as well is that there there is a lot of like there is a lot of very specific like musicality happening that you I also don't really regularly associate with stuff you know like obviously I know that they're very competent players and I'm sure you know I'm 100% certain they're way better at guitar than I am kind of thing you know but like at at the same time when you think of me mu- at least you know I'd say probably generally speaking if you were thinking of people who are like great people at playing their music or you know really good at their craft a band like this for me isn't isn't one that comes to mind straight away but when you listen to the songs like there's so much um you know really like classic like effects drenched guitar solos and like cool little hooks that are on the keys and things like that that are like are so specific as of we've already mentioned to this era of music but also like really really i guess showcasing the people that are in the band that in a band like this too um you know they that might not always get that credit because of music of this time and music videos and everything that was happening around this was always very focused on the singer because 
you know, it's it's for all intents and purposes, it's pop music, and pop music always focuses on the singer. <laughs> and mm. but really, that like there there's a lot of good music happening in the background. Is that like when when you were, I suppose, listening to this, and obviously it has it, you know, clearly had a quite a profound effect on some of the emotional or mental state you were in but like what impact does something like this have on you playing music i think i mean obviously playing bass for so many years i mean i listen to the bass playing in this and it's so it's so distinctive it pops like it pops in the mix yeah it sounds so good so clean um and i when you first listen to it you go it's pretty straightforward playing and then i i go go and grab my guitar i go and sit down and i start to try and play along and i go oh, what the fuck's going on here and you find <laughs> that there's just even just the 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 timing um the way that it's uh, you know the playing the style of playing itself is just there's just so many little nuances in 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 the playing itself which makes it really tricky at, at times anyway there's certain runs in there you sort of go oh it's just it's completely not backwards, but it's just very foreign to, I guess, what I would traditionally play being in a metal band, you know? Yeah. Um, so for me, I found it really appealing to listen to something that was, um, you know, for the most part, most of the songs on the album have, they're very spaced out in sound. Like everything's very isolated. The You know, every every instrument in there, even with all the keys sort of drenched in there into the mix, it's still, you can still pick everything out really mm. well. Um, and... But at the same time, like it's 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 quite hard to follow uh, at times if you're if you're trying to play along or trying to get a grasp of it. And I think, I mean, um, I can't remember who the guy was that you had on the podcast, but um, the guy who picked uh, uh, Joshua Tree, you yeah. too, and he was talking about how much of an awesome guitarist Old Mate is, whatever his name is. Uh, the what, Edge. What, the Edge, that's right. Yeah. I remember some wanky name for, for, the, <laughs> for the guy there. But, like, it's a same, similar sort of vibe. I mean, they've. I wouldn't say that these guys sound terribly U2-ish, but some of the guitars are, are similar in yeah. the style where it's very spacey, very open. Yeah, I would There's say a lot so. of room to move. Um, but, fuck, that's some hard stuff. It's some hard stuff to play. And mm. um, I noticed a lot of... A lot of Aussie bands um, picked up some of that type of spacey guitar stuff, like some some of the earlier noise work stuff before they released that dog shit Hot Chili Woman song. <laughs> uh, they they had some fantastic stuff, which which was a similar sort of vibe. And um, there's a few other bands that were happening um, sort of in sort of mid to mid to late '80s um, that were doing that kind of stuff. And it's just I don't know. I think I just found it really appealing because I just realised that this you can you can do so much more with so much with so less um, yeah with, yeah and especially for me like i mean i play in a band that's you know notorious for playing as many notes as possible <laughs> at, at any time and it's just like the quicker the better you know and, and it's fun it's 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 great but you know you can become i wouldn't say we're one dim- one dimensional because we've got a lot of variance but you know i've i've guess i've grown up just playing a lot of fast stuff and then when i listen to this it's like whoa man like you got to change the pace of it. It's really got to look at this differently. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's the other thing too that's often interesting for me as well is that I think like myself included, like I spend a lot of my time or a lot of my time listening to music, obviously listening to metal and listening to really heavy stuff. And then, but really things like this are like the breath of fresh air often in like listening to music in my day because then it'll spiral me into listening to the other stuff that I like that's like this and lets me like expand my thinking on it a bit. I I think it's one of the interesting things to me though is like I've never I suppose I've never been like actively trying to do it because 
as as happens in playing in bands once you start playing in one you just keep going until you die i suppose i guess that's what's (laughs) happening with me at the moment but like i've never for all the time that i've listened to music like this i've never really personally had an interest in playing it like i've not had Mm. an interest in trying to figure out how to play it myself but i mean i know lots of mates who have and i know lots of mates who play in metal bands that also play in like you know pub rock cover bands that have Mm. spent it's taken them many years but they get to a point where they can play sort of other styled music and i don't know if that's either that you know a testament to my talent on the instruments that i can play that i'm very very only have the capacity to play heavy stuff but at the same time like it to me listening to this stuff it, it really does like make me think more about guitar it makes me think more about how a record can sound and because i and and i think something that probably when people look at a record like this or music of this time that they don't often think about is like the yeah like the instrumentation the quality of the musicians the quality of the recording and the quality of like the the scope they were trying to create for their album as well i think and particularly i think a lot of that probably gets lost because of one hit wonders where people Mm. think that a band is only the one song where i'm sure when these guys were recording this record they were thinking like we're gonna write a great record and i mean it's clear that it is you know it has that because it had five big singles come off it and it sold very well and things like that so you know obviously achieved that but it's just interesting to me that often music like this and I think I, I even mentioned it on that, like the podcast you were talking about when I t- talked about the U2 record. Like, I think because of sometimes the preconceived opinion on either a band or a genre or a style of music or whatever that might be, you often forget that it exists within a greater body of work and the band itself exists as a as a greater unit. Um, yeah. And I think music of this time often gets a bit of a bum rap because it is thrown in with just, you know, this song, you know, like if I could being this massive hit and, you know, like a huge Australian, you know, song of this era, you know, it probably does just every now, it just gets tossed in with the other covers that you hear at the pub on Sundays, you know, like as opposed to thinking like this came off of an album that a band worked on that really, obviously they put a lot of effort and time into because it has quite a lot of really big songs on it. It, uh, one of the things that's really fascinating about this album is um, the guitarist in the band, uh, his name's Gary Gary Frost, mm-hmm. and he used to be in Moving Pictures in the, in the early 80s, and he wrote, um, uh, what's the song? Um, what About Me? Um, yeah, yeah. Shannon Noll end up covering later yeah. on, and fucking, you know, I'm, I'm sure Gary Frost is happy about it because he's probably getting some nice coin from oh, it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Everybody else is cringing, but, uh, you know, he... This guy is like an amazing songwriter, and he wrote every song on Ish, um, and and there's a couple of co co write credits on the album. And um, from what I what I gather, I'd love like you know I'd love to get this guy on my podcast sometime because this guy just vanished in sort of 1990 or 91 or something like that, and he's just basically gone off off the grid and so to speak, and just writes for like TV and documentaries and things like that. He hasn't played live. He hasn't joined another band since. Yeah, wow. But, um, from what I understand is that he he quit moving pictures in the early eighties and for a few years there he he was just writing music and whatever and then he was looking to form a band he hadn't quite worked it out yet and then he's watching Hey Hey It's Saturday and 
Red Faces, which is like, you know, for anybody that doesn't know Hey Hey, it's like this cheesy 80s, 90s variety show that used to be on TV. And they had this segment, Red Faces, where people would come up and and they'd just do some sort of act. Yeah, show a talent, basically. A bit of talent, yeah. And then you have a panel of judges and there was the notorious Red Simons who would always be negative and gong them out and and they'd always get scored, et cetera, et cetera. But um, anyway, this guy came on and started singing... um, uh, a cover of Roxanne by the Police, and yeah. and I'm sure I haven't looked. I'm sure it's on YouTube. It's it's freaking amazing. Like he's just this voice is incredible. Now this guy's a no name. No one knows who this guy is, and and so Gary Frost is watching Hey Hey, probably sinking a few tinnies, and he's going, this guy's really good. And so he drives from Sydney to Melbourne to go and meet up with this guy, and he and and the guy ended up being um, Eric Weedman who became the lead singer of 1927. And so they were then worked together and fleshed out these songs. And then eventually, um, I, I don't know what, uh, 88, this came out, the end of 88. So I think probably 18 months later, the album came out. And and so obviously the album did really well. And they then they started to back it up with a second album. And just before, or I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but sort of towards the end of the writing process of, of the second album, Gary Frost just leaves. He's had enough. Um, yeah. I think he had kids or something like that. Um, it was just too much for him, and he just bailed. And um, I don't know what the ratio of the songwriting credits on the second one are, but he basically wrote all the big hits on the second album, <laughs> which are nowhere near as big as as, as the first album's hits were. Um, and it did re- reasonably well, but um, the band started to just gradually fade out. And I think by sort of, um, I think, 93 or something like that, the band just broke up and didn't reform again until about... Oh, sort of mid mid two thousands or something like that. So, I'm like this guy, this Gary Frost guy. I mean, just an incredible songwriter, like amazing songwriter. And so, part part of me, like sort of listening to it as a as a musician, I'm listening to the playing and everything. I'm really impressed by it. But just listening to how this guy can basically write hits, like write great songs, yeah. But also have a, an element of technicality to the to the songs where it's really smart playing and smart songwriting. And you think. How does somebody make a song sound so simple yet so freaking hard to yeah, put yeah, together? Yeah. And so, yeah, this guy is just like, I mean, who knows? I mean, I tried to look up, uh, he's got a website, but I don't think he's updated in about 10 years. <laughs> so I don't know. He's probably living somewhere in, in the middle of nowhere, just uh, enjoying the royalty checks that keep keep mm. uh, flowing in from from commercial radio, but um, or Shannon Knoll, you know? <laughs> so, but yeah, I find that really fascinating because it's just obviously goes back to what you said, like, who knows? Like he could have been so jaded with... The attention. I mean, obviously, you know, being happy that they're they're making money and they're getting success and then the spotlight and everything. But maybe, maybe he wasn't getting the recognition of the songwriter or the or the player that that he was, and and became a bit jaded with it because they were focusing on basically the pop side of of the whole thing. And maybe that was a part of the reason why he moved on. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, stuff like that's really interesting too. I mean, particularly because, I mean, that's always something that I've. I, again, I, I guess it, it's a completely different experience, generally speaking, in, in metal or in heavy music that it's kind of rare that a, a person, you know, a solitary figure moves between really big things and, you know, takes takes the, you know, they impart the amazing ability on that unit they're a part of. Like, mm. generally speaking, it's you know, a band and then maybe the singer leaves and the singer does a solo record or maybe the guitar player goes and plays guitar for someone else and then they become, like, get more popular. But it's obviously something that's very specific to 
I mean, more, more specific to like singer, songwriter, pop rock type music has a lot more of that, obviously. And then, I mean, yeah. obviously very particularly pop music because when people, you know, start finding a rhythm of writing big songs, then they get money and they write more and more and more of them. Um, but, it, you know, it, it is really interesting when there's people that, like you just mentioned, like just kind of vanish out of nowhere after doing that stuff because- I mean, you, like for me, you just think like, well, what what could the next thing have been then? Had, if he'd written these, cu- you know, these couple big things, maybe if the band wasn't what he needed, what if there was something else he went to and it could have been, you know, the next like sort of time capsule hit? Um, but yeah, I, I suppose I suppose there's always the other thing with music like this too is it, um, you know, it often does, uh, you know, fizzle out or at least drop off considerably before it then becomes nostalgic like it's kind of rare for bands of this ilk i suppose to consistently stick together and consistently stick to a a lineup or or a select group of people as well i mean i think you know obviously even very big bands in in metal like your sabbaths or whatever like you know the second any money or anything sort of too difficult came in the way the the personalities fell apart mm. very fast yeah. um but you know it, it is it's it's um it's quite interesting to me how uh how stuff like this works i guess particularly because i have no you know i've no real experience in it all mine is in playing with people you know from playing in other bands or your friends or things like that it's it's a relatively different scenario and also not one that i've ever been a part of doing something like seeing someone on telly and going <laughs> trying to find out who they are to start a band with them you know it's, just, like- it's crazy i mean but even like if you think like just to just to riff off what you said like you know metalheads don't sort of go to the classifieds and or no. onto facebook groups so to speak and say oh hey i'm i'm a guitarist and and i love these bands and i'm looking for a band you know and and usually those guys are the people that you just do not want to join a band with because you're thinking if you're going to these these uh, these sort of lengths to try and find people to play with, there's there's probably there's probably a few red flags. Yeah. But 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 you notice like in the rock community and some of the other genres of music that um it's it I don't know it, at least from my perspective I mean it's probably a little bit warped but I sort of I it seems to be far more accepted where people are trying to collaborate they're trying to find new people to to i guess you know widen their skills and become mm. more rounded players and and just get different experience and sort of move around the place with lots of different people i think country's a bit like that as well from what yeah. i what i gather um but in metal it's more of a case of you know we've got our mates we're going to play some some gigs and then maybe you know if i'm if i'm sick of the guys that i'm playing with i might go and join another another band which are really basically mates that i've got pissed with in the past <laughs> as well and and that's just and that's just how it works but um yeah, I don't know. I, I, that's, that, that's at least the, the way I look at it. So it's it is very, very odd. And sort of thinking about this particular guy, I mean, I don't know why he left moving pictures as well because they would yeah. have had that massive hit, and maybe he didn't like the fame or the spotlight that was happening then. So he tried to escape that, and then maybe he went through those motions to get into to start nineteen twenty seven, and so then he's had the second sort of wave of this, which was probably even more heightened than moving pictures, and then yeah, he's yeah. gone. 
you know what? Fuck this. I've had I've had enough. And maybe maybe he's the one playing cover shows in some yeah. you know rural country town where the locals just go, oh, yeah, that's Gary. You know, mm. just this old guy on stage just playing a few licks and no one really bats an eyelid. You know, who knows? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, like I'm sure that happens. I mean, I know I remember when when uh, I exist first started and go and playing shows in Sydney. We'd play at the Sando all the time mm. and. I don't know. Who, I can't remember who he is, but like a guy who at one point was in ACDC always used to play in the front bar. Yeah, Do you yeah, remember? Yeah. I don't know if you ever yeah, saw yeah. him play um, or I if you know who he uh, is. <laughs> uh, is it Mark Evans? I can't remember. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was, a, it was a duo that were downstairs in the public bar playing yeah. acoustic stuff, usually on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon. And they were, they were just, they were basically residents, residents of, yeah. of the Sando. Um, but yeah, that was his claim to fame. Yeah. Well, and it was so funny because it was it was one of those things. It was like you pl- and I, I remember so often going there and like loading in, and they'd be playing, and then and thinking like, oh, you know, it's just two people playing covers. And then at some point, it came up somehow that like, yeah, he was in ACDC at some point. And then I, I might be getting that band wrong as well. I, I in my head, it's ACDC. Who knows? But um, it, like. It was it was one of those things though too because like you'd they'd be playing and then your show would start upstairs and they'd probably have wrapped up, but he that dude would just be posted up at the bar and it would just be like a stream of people who were there watching him and it was like every time I played there and it was just people just sitting there chin wagging with him and mm. clearly it was like that was his vibe like he was. He, that was the thing that he did. He went and sat there. He probably played songs that he recorded himself at some point, you know, and sitting there doing covers of them and just chatting to people about it. And I remember it being like, that was always one of the standout things of playing the Sando to me. It was always like, you can always set your watch to that bloke being down there doing covers. <laughs> and then, then like two hours later, every drunk prick who's been there all day listening to him is just punishing him at the bar and he's totally cool with it. <laughs> Oh, he he was a very charismatic guy, and yeah. I can't remember the other guy's name. His duo partner, um, but both totally like they played it up and they they interacted with the crowd, cracking jokes. Yeah, and yeah. Um, but it was it was definitely it's Mark Evans because I just looked it up as you're talking. It's Mark Evans, and he played bass on um, TNT, High Voltage, Dirty Deeds, Let There Be Rock, um, and Seventy Four Jailbreak as well, according to Wikipedia. Anyway, and he's. I noticed um, he popped up just recently because just before all this uh, COVID-19 stuff came came into play, uh, Rose Tattoo about to do a US tour sometime this year and they yeah. got postponed, but he was going to be, I think, playing bass with them as well. Right. And I think he's also played with Heaven and a couple of other old old school Aussie bands. But yeah, he's like, but a similar sort of deal. Like when I first moved to Sydney, we used to just, oh man, like bar flies at the Sando, just constantly there. <laughs> it was just like, may as well just hide up, like rented a room upstairs or something like that. But um yeah, he was just part of the woodwork there, and and I didn't know who he was to begin with. It wasn't until a while later that I sort of connected the dots, or maybe something was referenced or whatever, and I go, oh, no shit. And then yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty sure I've probably spat in his face by trying to tell him how great he is at one yeah. point in time, drunk and on a Sunday afternoon. But um, but yeah, it's amazing because you can tell people like that are just you know they're just they're totally into music and just playing, and that's their lifestyle, and it's and sort of whatever success or spotlight or anything that comes from it is is almost secondary to it it just it just doesn't matter as long as i get to pick up a guitar or do whatever and get on stage and play that's that's the motivation that's that's what keeps you fuel, fueled yeah yeah do you find do you find other music of this era 
um, like, do you find yourself listening to other stuff like this still, or mm. do, is this kind of the one that stands out for you? No, I, I, um, I, I pretty much dive down a rabbit hole of um, of bands um, sort of around this era. Yeah, um, I've always, I mean, as a, it's a bit of a running joke, but I mean, I, I, like, I, I'm a massive John Farnham fan. I love John Farnham, mm-hmm. and um, and I do play up play up the joke a fair bit because I always sort of obsess about him. But um, <laughs> he's he put out some fantastic albums in sort of the the mid to late <laughs> '80s, and that sort of spawned a whole bunch of other artists that sort of came off the back of that. Southern Sons was another one that their day, uh, uh, their self-titled album was just incredible. Um, Ian Moss's, um, uh, I think he was his debut uh, solo album is like fantastic. Um, yeah. Noiseworks, self-titled. Um, yeah. And there's, and even sort of getting into, I, I was never a massive Cold Chisel fan because I thought it was, I always just go, oh, fucking Bogans, you know? Yeah. But then, but then later on in life, I sort of, I really, like grew an appreciation for them, but I got into solo Jimmy Barnes before I got into um, yep. Cold Chisel, and um, mainly because of the same vibe we've been talking about this sort of Vaseline over the lens esque yeah, yeah. uh, vibe that that comes out of these uh, mid to late eighties records, and he he put out some pearls um, around that time. Oh yeah, and, and similar sort of deal, like you know, all the lyrics across all these albums um, are just so kind of blue collar everyday life sort of relatable topics and i think that's why why they did so well but i think also why what you said earlier about just this sound and it's hard to describe the tones and everything it's just so unique to australia and i think it comes from i think lifestyle the environment i think sort of lyrically it sort of sets it apart from anywhere else in the world i mean if you if you sort of compare you know jimmy barnes working class man to I don't know, um, the equivalent of Bruce Springsteen's, like, you know, uh, back catalogue or whatever. Yeah. Um, basically the same sort of concept in place, but the vibe is just completely different. It's yeah. Just, it's, and, uh, and it's hard to pinpoint exactly what that what it is that separates it. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I really, really sort of, um, really clicked with a lot of, a lot of stuff from that era. And I think it was just going back to, um, you know, what I said earlier about sort of growing up in, in these really sort of, slow quiet towns and just thinking about the big smoke you know and going mm. wow I wonder what it's like you know and then just just associating these types of artists and these albums with um with with these places that I eventually end up living in yeah i mean uh, yeah i think i think that's the the biggest thing for me with music like this is i think it is so it, it's so of of this country but it's also very much of the the time and I think I have such an affinity for it as well because it was definitely what my parents were listening to when I was little. Like, I mean, either it was, you know, on the radio at times or my dad owned CDs of it or tapes or whatever and I was just hearing it. I mean, certainly my dad is a massive Cold Chisel fan. So, that that, that sort of made up a lot of my introduction to music, which then, Mm. you know, pushed it onto all the other stuff. But- I mean, I even remember when I was I was in the States last year with a friend's band and they at one point were just like the radio was on in the van or something and Born to Run or <laughs> or Born in the USA or so, one of those like big, um, big Springsteen songs came on and like and then they said like, like one of the masks like, is this was this big in Australia? And I was like, I mean, obviously, I'm not old enough to know whether that was big in Australia at the time it was released. But I like that was my reference point for like, 
oh, the Australian version of this is working class man. Like, that mm. is the Australian. And I was like, that is very popular. <laughs> and that is still, like, you know, on the radio every day kind of thing. But it, it's one of those things. It's quite bizarre that that never, you know, it never spread too much further than, than just being here, you know. Well, I think, I mean, I haven't read, I've read a few sort of um, autobiographies and biographies of some of these guys from the 80s. And one thing that, um, it's not exactly the same, but I think they've all, a lot of them have made attempts to try and crack, in particular, yeah. the US market. And with different versions of success, like Jimmy Barnes was like, you know, um, uh, the album Freight Train Heart, which is like 87 or something like 87 or 88. And he basically went to the US and hung out with the guys from Journey and... Uh, to basically get them to write the album for him. Yeah. And that album is like top-notch, slick radio rock. It is so good. Mm. But it's it's so different to what he did in the past. And there's a lot of – I remember him sort of uh, sort of reflecting on it. And he's happy with it, but I think there was a lot of bad vibes around it as well because I think ultimately they were trying to chase something that they couldn't get. And so they were trying to fabricate basically, you know, a sound to to appeal to you know North America's sort of radio rock yeah. uh, syndicate, and um, and then even like John Farnham. John Farnham was trying to crack through. I think he, he got offered a deal with Geffen um, or something like that. And mm-hmm. um, I think part of part of the requirement or part of the deal meant that he would have to relocate to say whatever LA or whatever for a couple of years, and he would have to cement himself, get get established do a lot of touring throughout the country, et cetera. And by that stage, he, I, I'm pretty sure Whispering Jack had already come out by that stage, I yeah. think. Um, and he just looked around and goes, I'm married. I've got kids. I'm a household name in Australia. Nah, yeah. not going to happen. And he just he just decided not to do it. And, I mean, even bands like Midnight Oil, who, you know, got some really big success in, in North America, um, you know, they didn't last too long because I, I don't know for sure, but um, from what I gather um they i think just the u.s market was just cutthroat compared to what it was in australia so i think there was almost like the safety net back home where Mm. it was fruitful enough where you could really carve out a great career and and have the acknowledgement and the praise and and the spotlights and all that and not have to basically dive into a dog-eat-dog world uh in north america in particular and so i think just at that time that's probably why so many bands Became it's not the right word, but the word that comes to mind is incestual. It, like, mm. it sort of just kept with their own their own groups and their own scene, and and just created their own sound. And I think it just sort of organically came out of that weird scenario where they were so far away from the rest of the world, and just anything outside of Australia was just it's just fucking tough tough work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's it's definitely like it's one of those things that I, I feel is very specifically australian at this point you know like it is it's very specific to the the landscape of music here um one of the other like funny notes that i made when listening to this record was um the song give the kid a break the the start of it is exactly number of the beast (laughs) oh yeah it is too wow (laughs) oh you've ruined it for me no (laughs) (laughs) and i was sitting there listening to it and i was like holy shit, this is just number of the beast. And I had to like, I stopped what I was doing to listen to it. And I was like, yeah, yep, that's it. Wow. Good pickup. Oh yeah. man. I've never, I've, I've never put the, uh, put the dots together. Wow. <laughs> that's yeah, man. Like, I mean, totally. I mean, who knows? I so mean, maybe that's, know. maybe that's how metalhead Andy got, got linked up. 
That's right. There's something about this I love. Mm. I can't work out what it is. I can't put my thumb on it, but, uh, you know, it's it, there's something there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Wouldn't be a true podcast if we didn't talk about the things that you are doing in your podcasting life. Um, how is, I mean, obviously I have done yours now as well, but like how is doing stuff like that going for you, particularly in a, the time of isolation and quarantine at home and things like that? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I've, I've probably been quite lucky uh, in hindsight because I, for whatever whatever reason, I sort of, I did a similar thing to you. I, I relaunched this year. I, had, I only had a few months off though, um, but I decided that... Um, I'd sort of come back with a bang and, and kick it all off again and relaunch the podcast. And in January, I just started bulk recording episodes. So by the time we really started getting locked down, I had already sort of bulk recorded everything up until about mid-May. And so when this all happened and everyone started like kicking off podcasts again and everyone's trying to get guests and everything, I'm like, oh, well, I guess I could do it, but I, I, I've got so many people already recorded. So yeah. it was it was kind of cool in a way, but at the same time, I was like, oh, man, maybe I should just keep doing a few more. And um, and so now, like, at the time of recording this, we're at, we're at the start of May, so um, I've I've done that again. And, and yeah, we, we've had a chat just recently as well. So hopefully sometime in – oh, fuck, I don't know when that when our chat's going to come out, but it'll, it'll, it'll come at out eventually. Point. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been good in a way because it's been easy to pin people down, of course. Um, and, um, and the only thing I've noticed, I don't know if it's, it's similar to you, but I find that podcasts are are an interesting thing where a lot of people tend to listen to podcasts doing something that's routine based. Mm -hmm. So it'd either be like going to the gym or going for a walk, exercising or commuting to work or whatever it might be. Um, and so I've noticed that people's listening habits have changed and as a result, um, it's taking longer for people to catch up on episodes. So yeah. I'm getting messages from people going, oh man, I checked out that, that episode was blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh man, that was from like four months ago. Okay, cool. <laughs> Excellent. I mean, it's great. I, I love it that people are, you know, just digging their way through, through each episode, but, um, you start to realize that people... You know, just don't sit around at home yeah. unless maybe, you know, you're a, you're a cleaning fanatic and you love cleaning the house and you've got your headphones in doing something. I mean, it's, it's a, it's, it's just different now. So, um, I think that's probably the most unique thing I've sort of noticed out of, out of this time, but, um, yeah, it's interesting just to watch a bit of commentary, um, from everybody else adjusting and trying to work it out and, and yeah. interpret, interpret life as it is now. Hmm. And like, I mean, I suppose with your podcast as well as you, you talk to quite a broad landscape of people. It's not as, I suppose it's not as specific as, I guess, like doing this, like predominantly I'm talking to people in or around the music industry. You've really, mm. you really spanned it out to talk to whoever from, at least from my interpretation of it. Yeah. Um, how did, like, was that always the concept and always the plan when you started doing it? Yeah, I, um, I think there was there was two big motivations to to kick it off. One was I thought it'd be a really sneaky way to sort of cross promote the band. Yeah. To be like, oh, who's this awesome guy? Oh, I better go and check out Lord. Yeah. And yeah. And, it, and it kind of it didn't really that didn't really work for at least a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, people started to sort of uh, indirectly discover the band. But um, the other the other part, which was a bit. A bit more, um, it put me in a bit more of a vulnerable, vulnerable position. I can't even talk. I've had one beer, <laughs> slurring already. But um, it was, and, and right on topic as well, because I just, I always felt that I could be better just talking to people, like just better conversationalists, like being able to sort of just 
talk about different topics and riff with people. And I mean, I, I, I'm, you come you come from a similar sort of background to me, being sort of in the music world and especially mm. sort of Aussie musicians, where it's it's basically pub based, um, you know, metal and rock, etc. And yeah. so, really, most of your friendships, your conversations that you have, are usually over like. Minimum three, four, five beers, and <laughs> and as the night you know drags on, you sometimes get into these DMs with people, and you wake up the next day and you got no idea what the fuck you talked about. And then I just remember walking through Newtown on a Sunday, like sobering up, hungover, whatever, and I bump into somebody who I was best mates with the night before, <laughs> and suddenly, and suddenly you're just awkward. You're looking at each other, going, "I don't know what to say." Like, "Oh, hey, uh, what are you doing?" "Oh, yeah, I'm going down here." Oh, "Okay, all right, well, yeah, okay, catch you later." "Yeah, well, cool." <laughs> and I just, I hated it. I hated it because I'm like, man, like, and I knew people that were outside the metal scene and and whatever, and they just catch up with mates for coffees and things like that. I thought that sounds so fucking wanky. Like, who does that? It's so yeah. awkward. And so there was all these things that were going through my head and just I, I started listening to podcasts myself and I thought, well, this could be a good way just to really push myself outside my comfort zone and talk to people mm-hmm. where I'm forced to have to just get better at listening and get better at conversing with people and not necessarily need to be intoxicated to have a, have sure, a yeah. listen and chat with someone. So, yeah, it's um, very awkward to begin with. I mean, fuck, I, I will refuse to listen to some of those earlier episodes, but many people do and they tell me all about it um, and they're pretty, they're pretty shocking. But um, but it's it's been a, it's been a real journey, uh, self development journey for me, and um, I'd like to think that I've improved slightly over the years. But um, just going into chats with people from like you know, obviously my my safety net, my security blanket is musos. I, I mean, it's yeah. just easy just to click and just start talking. But um, you know, talking to someone who's like a I don't know, like a fucking astrophysicist or a paleontologist or or some sort of property expert or in wealth creation expert or something, just random stuff that I kind of find half interesting and I'm trying to find a, some common ground with somebody. It's just the most daunting thing. But when I get out of that conversation, I f- wrap up, I go, wow, I can't believe I did it. <laughs> yeah, amazing. yeah. Well, I mean, I think it, like indirectly, I mean, it's and it's obviously a lot easier for me doing this being that I'm talking about music and talking about records and stuff. But at the same time, like, I mean, I think the biggest thing that I've gotten out of doing this has been... Um, well, I mean, one developing, you know, a network with people, but also like actually broadening the experience that I'm having otherwise, you know, cause if I wasn't having these conversations with people, I mean, previously when I wasn't specifically talking about records, I mean, I've made a lot of friends because of doing this. Like I've made, I've talked to people and then become friends with them because of doing the podcast. And then, I mean, similarly now doing this, like it's a good opportunity right now to actually interact with people outside of, you know, work, which, I mean, I'm very, you know, fortunate that I can still work right now. Mm. But at the same time, like, I have no interest talking about work when work is not happening. <laughs> like, all, <laughs> all I want to talk about is music and stuff that, like you, I would usually be talking about at a pub, but I can't fucking go right now. So, like, I've, I've got to, I may as well just record it. You know? <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon it's such a good thing. And, and, I mean, we're both lucky that we've sort of worked it out a while ago, like years ago. Mm about all this podcast stuff and, and, and gotten over the initial humps of trying to work out, all right, how do you plug this into this? And, yeah. you know, how do you, how do you get past most of the ums and the ahs and the, and the anxiety of, oh, fuck, I'm recording myself and people are going to hear me talk. This is, this is fucking cringeworthy. And, and so, yeah, I mean, this is like, for a scenario like this, it's perfect for people that have already been doing some of this stuff in the past. I mean, just to be able to interact and talk to people and, 
I mean, one thing that I know is like going back to that scenario of just, you know, having mates that you just catch up with on a Friday and Saturday night and you'd just be pissed and just talking about all sorts of rubbish. I mean, I'd, I'd reconnect with these guys on the podcast and, you know, the first first five or ten minutes, it's like, oh, oh yeah, how you doing, blah, blah, It's <laughs> sort of just tiptoeing around just random topics and whatever. Mm. And, then you, and then you just dive into these conversations and then I come out the other end of it and I've, I'm like, man, I've known you for fucking 15 years, and I didn't even know that. Yeah, I didn't know like half half of your life, like anything. Like I'm just, I just know you from that band, or I just because we played a bunch of shows together. And that's it. Mm. And and suddenly I've, it, it sounds sounds so stupid, sort of verbalizing it, but I think I've got some real friendships now. Like I've I've like, yeah, I've, yeah. like some real some real connections with people because I've just been able to talk to people for an hour, you know, and just have a, have a chinwag and just talk shit for an hour, but um, not just necessarily over, over beers in a, in a loud pub with lots of distractions and people, you yeah. know, butting in and talking, talking shit or whatever it is. And so it's sort of almost like a throwback to being a kid and, you know, trying to get the landline phone and with a, yeah. with a long cord and trying to wrap yourself around the door frame to try and talk to somebody on the phone. And, you know, you've got no distractions, but you've, you've got to make that phone call count. And it's sort of like the, the 2020 equivalent of that now. It's like, oh, we get to, we get to talk. Oh, man, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think another, another big thing for me with all this is just that, like, it is, um, you know, it's continuing to push people into doing stuff that is i guess accessible for more people as well and making it yeah. more making it a bit broader um i think like one of the other things that i noticed that and i actually turned someone who asked me for help on onto it a while ago one of the cool things you did was doing the videos of showing people how to get started doing a podcast oh yeah 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 um because I mean, I mean, I don't know how how it went for you, but I mean, when I first started doing this, I mean, everyone asked like, "I had you learn how to make a podcast," and I was like, "I just Googled how to podcast and then <laughs> started clicking on YouTube links." Like that's, and everything I do and the way I do it is so different to everyone else I know that does it. But I just this is the way that is easy for me to manage, and I've been doing it like this for like five years now so mm. i'm never going to stop doing it like this you know um but that that was was that something that you th- like you were like oh i gotta put this out there because of this particular way that i did it, or it was just something that you thought would be helpful for people yeah it was a bit of an experiment because i'm I'm shit with video. I hate doing video. I hate seeing mm. my face. I hate getting in front of a camera and talking. Like in the band, like we try and do a promo video to, to I don't know, announce something. And I'd be like, oh man, like I'm just like, <laughs> do I have to play up to a camera? This this is fucking tough. And um, I guess for me, it was it was a bit of a opportunity to try and just get better at doing stuff in front of a camera. But um, I just similar thing to you, like just as people started getting into podcasts and listening to them and then, you know, listening to, to mine, people would just start throwing random messages across and say, Hey, how do I get started? Blah, blah, blah. And I just, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, those things where you, you're constantly getting asked the same questions like, well, what can I do with this? So I thought oh, yeah. I'll do a little video thing. And, um, and so, yeah, every once in a while, I'll, I'll flick them, I'll flick them a link and just say, Hey, there's, there's 11 videos here. Don't stress. They're only about two minutes each. So don't <laughs> yeah. freak out. And, um, and mind you, big premise at the start of this, big disclaimer, they're, they're basic as fuck. They're so simple. Like, there's nothing yeah. tech about this because I, my background, I am not tech at all. I am just, I I do not have the attention span. I can't sit still. I just, I lose interest in things <laughs> way too easily. I give up way too easily. So, 
I just sort of thought about the person on the other end that's very similar to me. So I sort of positioned the uh, the tutorial sort of with that person in mind. And, um, and yeah, like, I mean, they haven't been amazing, like, but um, as far as getting a lot of views or anything, but I haven't really pushed it either. I just sort of put them out and I just, every once in a while when someone messages me, I, I flick them a link and... And they go off and, and they watch them and, and it's been really cool. Like just to, and it's a nice little thing when someone talks about sort of different things that you've done, you can sort of go, well, I don't know. I mean, it sounds a bit wanky, but you know, your, your portfolio of just different yeah. shit that you do, you know, just different little projects and things like that. So yeah, it's cool. I mean, I'd never, I, I sort of thought, you know, at once at one point in time when I was getting asked a lot that maybe I could do something which could be like, you know, a revenue earning uh, mm. venture where I could sure. create some sort of, you know, webinar or some sort of, you know, marketing funnel where mm-hmm. I could release free content and then get people in and, and sell them my, upsell my uh, my course or something like that. <laughs> um, but uh, that, that didn't, those thoughts didn't last too long, but um, I still like the idea of, of um, sort of being super helpful. And, and I think it's just, you know, in the end, someone's eventually going to search on YouTube to how to start a podcast and mine might just happen to show up and yeah. they may just decide, oh, well, who's this, who's this Gronk? Um, yeah, he sounds all right. I might check out his podcast or his band or whatever. And I might just get an extra, an extra listener or an extra, extra fan of the band or something like that out of it. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, certainly I've been, it's, it's gotten to the point now where when people ask me for help with it, I'm just sending them to your videos. So, <laughs> oh, thanks, man. So, you, so if all those views keep coming in, I'm like, it's you, man. Thank yeah, it's you. Just a push from, <laughs> it's just a push from my laziness of not going like, well, I could explain this to you, but someone's already filmed it. So you can just go and watch them explain it. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> Pleasure. Um, all right. Well, um, I'll leave it there, but thank you very much for doing this and uh, spending some time listening to a record and chatting to me about it. Um, where can people find your stuff? Yeah, man. Um, I'm, I've am i got a, a really wanky uh, URL, um, andydowling.net, because uh, that's just the way I roll. Um, and uh, our band, Lord, you can go to lord.net.au. Um, and yeah, my main podcast is the Andy Social Podcast. And I, I do a bunch of other stuff. But um, yeah, I'm all over the socials, all that usual shit. So um, yeah, come and say hello. Hell yeah. All right. Well, thanks heaps, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you.